اعوذ باللہ من الشیطان الرجیم بسم اللہ الرحمن الرحیم الحمد للہ رب العالمین و صلی اللہ علی سیدنا محمد و آلہ الطاہرین ورس نمبر ون ہنڈریڈ آف سورا the people generally after of course concluding the history of previous nations by saying that we did not send any messenger any prophet uh, in previous nations uh, except that we got them with Ba'asa and Zarra and but they did not take heed then uh, the Ba'asa and Zarra was replaced by Uh, comfort and then suddenly we seize them now this whole history would not people who come after them learn anything from this this is an admonishment for the people human being generally so does it not dawn upon those who inherited the earth after its former inhabitants those people who were destroyed and after them came other people and now we are here after many many generations which passed before us does it not dawn upon them that by sinning by continuing sinning we may seize them the way we seize the previous nations asabnahum bidunubihim and this asabnahum bidunubihim is a very important sort of phrase because it means that those calamities which came they were somehow the uh, things which infli- were inflicted upon them because of their sins, not because of anything else. Now, we made two things with those nations. Either we seized them or we sealed their hearts. So by sinning, two things may happen. Continuous sinning. By continuous sinning, two things may happen. Either destruction or a seal on the heart. And this shows that that seal which comes on the heart by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, which is mentioned in many different verses in the Quran, like or this is a consequence of sinning. People do not sin because their hearts are sealed. Their hearts are sealed because they sin, and then they do not understand anything about God anymore. They cannot hear anything. It is as if, of course, they cannot hear anything. Physically, they can hear, but whatever the prophets tell them, it is as if they are not hearing anything. So this, uh, is a consequence of their sin and for whom is a consequence of the sealing the heart. We, then they will not hear anything anymore. Now, Fakhruddin Razi in Mahfatihul Qayb says that uh, Allah is actually telling us 
it would be e either of the two things. Either of the two things. One is destruction, and the other one is sealing the heart. One of these thing, two things may happen. Now, uh, what we can conclude is that although the destruction of uh, uh, nations after the prophets will not happen anymore, destruction which is consequence of the sins, the sudden destruction would not happen. What will happen afterwards, after the prophet's uh, prophethood is sealed, what will happen is that the civilizations, the nations, by continuous sinning, will bring that seal on their hearts. So they do not understand anything about God anymore. They do not want to speak about God. They do not believe in God. It's, uh, I don't mean individual belief, individual faith. Generally, collectively, the society itself would become empty of God. And this is what we are witnessing in many, in many societies nowadays, that God should be absolutely out of the society. This is the consequence of continuous sinning. You may say, what sinning? Uh, I would tell you that probably, uh, especially the Western societies in the 18th and 19th and beginning of 20th centuries, they actually did lots of atrocities. They made lots of crimes around the world. That now, although we do not see the destruction because no prophet is here to, to warn, however, this the seal on the heart has come. And this will come for Muslim nations as well if they do the same crimes. It's not something which is... Uh, uh, from which the Muslim societies are immune to. Any society doing such crimes, continuous sinning, would, will, uh, would uh, get this seal on the heart. So, you saw the, uh, the, the story, you, you heard the story of the previous nations. That should guide you, should lead you. That now you are actually replacing them in, uh, you are the inhabitants of the earth now. We did one of the two things to them. Either we hit them with the consequences of their sins or we seal their hearts. Now, one of these two things will come. And of course, now the seal on the heart is the consequence of continuous sinning of, uh, of nations. So does it not dawn upon those who inherited the earth after its former inhabitants, that if we wish, we will punish them for their sins. This and here, as Fakhruddin Razi says, is, means or actually, or set a seal on their hearts so they would not hear. Then there's another summary of, uh, uh, of the stories of the nations in a different way. You see, the stories of five nations were mentioned, and then Allah is making conclusions. A different type of conclusion, or a conclusion from a different aspect, is coming now in the verse number 101. Tell Kalqura. Now, look at those nations. <laughs> من قبل كذلك يتبع الله على قلوب الكافرين. Now, of course, here again it talks about sealing the heart. Now, because after the prophets, 
of Islam, there is no destruction, that, that sudden death which comes to nations. Here Allah says, look how we sealed the hearts. And this may come to other nations which come after you as well. So, there is, as I said, there's another conclusion, another summary. There was one summary before that. And the summary started by saying that وَمَا أَرْسَلْنَا فِي قَرْيَةٍ مِّن نَبِيٍّ إِلَّا أَخَذْنَا أَهْلَهَا We never sent a prophet unless we took the people with discomfort, misfortunes, discomfort, misfortunes. And now that was what God did. Now what did the nations do when the prophets came? The reaction of the nations is summarized here. Now, these are the, those are the nations, some of whom, some of whose accounts were recounted to you. Their apostles certainly brought them manifest proofs. Now, what was the reaction? They did not believe in what they had denied earlier. Thus does Allah put a seal on the hearts of the faithless. Now, the seal, of course, here is mentioned uh, very intentionally because Allah is warning that seal coming to other nations. Now, here it says that when their messengers, when their apostles came, they did not believe in what they had denied before. What's the meaning of this? What's the meaning of they did not believe in what they had denied before? Now, the exegetes are in pain to uh, explain what Allah means here. They did not believe in what they rejected previously. There are mainly four views, or we can summarize all the views of the Exodus in four, uh, under four titles. One which is uh, the opinion of uh, and other Exodus have mentioned it, is that these people should have had faith when they just judged things by their intellect, by their reason. Their inner prophets should have led them to realize what is truth, what is falsehood. However, they didn't. They couldn't realize they, because they were attacked from everywhere by sins, by the sins that they did. And therefore, their intellect did not work. So they rejected the signs of Allah, the proofs which they saw everywhere around them. And when their prophets came to warn them, they did not believe in them. So they had already rejected things that they should have approved by their reason, by their fetra, by their understanding. And when the prophets came, they did not accept. Now, if we look at the previous verses, what did they deny before the prophets came? They said, Well, what's happened in, in the past was just uh, the work of nature. Nothing as God punishing or consequences of actions. They denied all these things. They never took heed, paid attention. And when the messengers came, 
they denied the same thing as they had denied by their reason. This is one meaning. So there is the the rule of the judgment of the intellect, human intellect, which is the fitra, the creation of man in, in, in his, his mentality. And there is the warning of the prophets. If we reject the judgment of our reason, then we do not pay heed to the uh, admonishments of the prophets as well. Now you may say, so what's the point of prophets coming? If everything is judged by the reason, by, by the intellect, what's the use of the prophets coming? Now there are certain people who are undecided. The prophets come usually for them, for the undecided people who do not know who are not strong in their intellect to decide. And they are the ones who should be saved, and the prophets come to save them. So when we send the prophets, this is one. I, I mentioned the four opinions, and then you can decide which one you would, uh, you would like more and is more acceptable to you. So the, the first opinion is that the, the thing that they had previously denied was the denial of the intellect, and the thing that they denied afterwards was the admonishment of the prophets. The second opinion is that the, the previous generations had denied the, uh, the signs of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, or had impugned the prophets, then after the prophets came, in the later generations, later generations denied as well and rejected. So they were not to believe in what they had rejected before. It means these later generations would not believe in what the previous generations had, had rejected. Well, this is somehow awkward in, in, the term, uh, in the terms of the, especially the, the, the sentence and literature. Then we have to switch the pronouns from the present generations to previous generations. So that's not a, a good explanation. The other explanation given is that uh, what Zajjaj, and a very early exodus has mentioned, is that they rejected the prophets, they asked them for miracles. And after the miracles were shown to them, they did not believe the same. In the same way, they rejected. And this is, of course, uh, quite common because those people who do not have their hearts with the prophets usually ask for miracles. The believers never ask for miracles. I mean, look at every prophet's followers. They never ask for miracles. They just believed because of the message, because the hearts were attracted, because the message appealed to them. And then those who denied, they just wanted to bring pretext. So they said, if you are a prophet, show us this, show us that. And after showing all those signs, they did not believe. They rejected. Look at the uh, case of our own prophet, peace be on him. Those who were around him never asked him for miracles. They never allowed themselves to do that because this man was bigger than the miracles themselves. The, the, there was no miracle uh, more important and more outstanding than the character of the prophet and the message of the prophet, peace be on him, for them. 
It was only the mushrikun of Mecca who asked miracles from the Prophet. And after the miracles were shown, they rejected the same way. So, means our prophets showed them their miracles. Now, bayyanat, of course, are miracles. Their messengers brought them miracles or clear, of course, argument. Both are, uh, are acceptable as the meaning of bayyanat. However, in many uh, verses of the Quran, bayyana means a miracle. So here, if we say that before miracle and after miracle, as the judge says, it means that their messengers called them, brought them the message, they denied, they rejected, they asked for miracles, they came with bayanat, they showed them miracles, and they were not to believe in what they had rejected before. This may be an acceptable uh, interpretation. Another interpretation, which is uh, so common among uh, uh, many exodus, is that these people who were kuffar in this world they were the ones who had rejected in Alam Zar in the world before this world. They rejected. They had denied and rejected in Alam Zar. And here now when the messengers come, they reject and deny in the same way. Uh, this uh, opinion is reported is reported, I, I, I want to stress because usually things which are attributed to some people may not be correct attributes. Uh, it's reported from Abdullah ibn Abbas and Suddi. From Suddi we accept, from Ibn Abbas we don't know because as I have mentioned here several times, because Abdullah ibn Abbas was the greatest exegete of all times, especially in the early uh, centuries, people used to attribute their opinions to Abdullah ibn Abbas and say it is reported from Abdullah ibn Abbas. Therefore, it's very uh, dangerous or it's very dodgy uh, when we see things attributed to Abdullah ibn Abbas. We have to be very careful about it. Anyhow, this is an opinion mentioned, reported from Abdullah ibn Abbas and from As-Suti that uh, they were taken the Misaq and covenant in al Muzar. Misaq was taken from them. They denied there, and then they deny here. Now, the problem with this uh, opinion uh, is twofold. First of all, if by Alam al-Zar they mean what the verse in Surah A'raf, which we inshallah deal with later, if they mean what is mentioned in that surah, that surah says that all human beings confirmed everyone accepted and this acceptance is the basis of the judgment on the day of judgment because and that means everyone in the fitrah agreed that Allah is the Lord this 
this covenant was taken so that on the day of judgment, you would not say we were absolutely ignorant. No human being is ignorant with regards to God. And that's, that's fitra or that mithaq which was taken in Alam al-Zar, whatever it means, we'll discuss that later on, inshallah, is, is the intellect, human intellect. Not calculating intellect, that intellect by which Allah is worshipped, that, that fitra. That is the mithaq which is taken from us. Now, in that mithaq, in that mithaq, everyone was given the covenant that Allah is the Lord and everyone accepted. So how do we say that they had denied there, so they deny here? Now, the explanation is, uh, is given by these exegetes that they accepted it there reluctantly. Uh, out of duress and not voluntarily and with with uh, sort of uh, liking the idea they didn't they didn't accept it in that way they hid their rejection and they showed acceptance well there is no reason for this that we should say this the verse never uh, agrees with that. The verse says that everyone accepted. It doesn't say some accepted with reluctance, some accepted with uh, uh, with good uh, w- and positive will. So uh, this is one problem. The other problem is if that is the case, if people who have denied there they deny here, then what is the justice? We we may say we may if we if we ask what is the purpose of all this these prophets coming and uh, uh, making all this uh, uh, sort of uh, process of human creation uh, so that some deny those who denied previously and some accept those who accepted previously, they may say, okay, that was the world in its uh, uh, sort of condensed form. Now Allah wanted to open it. And when it's open, then of course the prophets come. It's just like the misaq that Allah took, but in a more expanded way. Just like that misaq. Now the prophets come, they ask the people, and they deny the same way they deny. However, this is the process that should be completed. So this is their answer. The answer is logical. If we say so, what's the purpose of coming from Allah Muzar to this world? Well, the purpose is, uh, is quite clear. So that things should develop and move towards there. Uh, final destination. However, there is a more serious question, and that's the question of justice. Why people should be created in a way that some of them deny and some of them accept? In that alam al not by their action, not by their free will. What free will they had there they, in alam al They were just... Uh, it was just the beginning of their creation. That means some of them were created in a way that they would deny, and some of them were created in, in a way that they would accept, and this is somehow projected to this world. So there's no justice here. So we cannot accept this world, that this was in Alam al-Zar. So the, the best two explanations is, one, that they had denied this by their fitrah, by their fitra, it means that uh, their fitra, although they had, although they had clear proofs uh, that Allah is their Lord, but they rejected it by their intellect. 
The second is that the prophets showed them proof. They had rejected before the proof and they rejected after the proof. So this is what happened to the previous nations. They denied and later on they rejected as well. In this way, Allah seals the hearts. So any miracle you show them, any proof comes to them, they would not accept it. This is the way the hearts are sealed. And then uh, the sort of uh, God's judgment about what people do. In verse number 102, Now, how did we find people? Most of them, the majority, we did not find any ahd in them. Ahd is covenant. So we did not find in most of them any covenant. Indeed, we find most of them to be transgressors. Now, here it means, of course, this is about the previous nations. Probably the nations who follow would be the same thing. The majority of the people, they did not regard or they were not loyal to their covenant, and the majority were transgressors. And uh, what does this tell us about the rule of majority? The rule of majority is good in politics, is good in society, but their judgment is not valid when it comes to the covenant of Allah, when it comes to things with regards to hereafter, to faith. Allah says the majority were absolutely out of the, uh, the straight path. So, Now, this ahd again is... Is, is a problem. What's this ahd? What's this covenant? What covenant uh, were there that we didn't find that covenant in most of them? Now, we may have to actually uh, imagine that there is something hidden here in the sentence, and, that's, and we did not find loyalty to the covenant. If that is the case, we did not find loyalty to the covenant, then that covenant may mean the covenant which is taken from us in Alam al we did not find any loyalty to their covenant. And that covenant was that everyone confirmed and pledged that they, Allah is the Lord and they will worship their Lord. This was the covenant. And when we come to discussion of Allah Muzar, of course, we, we, we mention what is that? Uh, what does that mean? What that world is? And uh, tentatively, we will take that to be the fetra of human being. In the fetra, there is a covenant, and most of the, the majority of the human beings disregard that covenant, that ahd, which is uh, in, inside the, uh, uh, the human heart and human soul. Now, there's one other uh, meaning uh, to this ahd, which is uh, again mentioned by Allah uh, wa by rahmatullah alayhi, and he says that this ahd as well, I take it to be the, the intellect. That is what Allah has 
placed, installed in people. And therefore, we do not need to take the loyalty to be a, a sort of deletion in the sentence. We do not say, need to say that we did not find loyalty to the pledge. Just we say we did not find any covenant in them. And that covenant is the intellect that Allah has put inside every human soul so that they can judge uh, whether they want to go towards Akhirah or towards dunya, whether they want to worship God or worship other things. That covenant, that intellect, it is as it was absent in them. We didn't find it in them. We didn't find it in them. That means it was there. I had installed it there in, in, in their souls. How I didn't find it in them. It is as it was lost to them. وَمَا وَجَدْنَا لِأَكْثَرِهِمْ مِنْ أَحْدٍ وَإِنْ وَجَدْنَا أَكْثَرَهُمْ لَفَاسِقِينَ And of course, because they disregarded the Ahd, or they had lost their covenant, we found most of them to be transgressors. And this shows, if we do not use our intellect, then we transgress. If we follow shahawat, instead of aql, because usually in our traditions, aql is the opposite of shahwa, or shahwa is the opposite of, uh, of aql. So you either follow aql or, either follow, or follow shahwa. So if you do not follow aql, which Allah says was absent, so the, the majority were fasiqun. They were transgressing what they had to uh, observe in terms of their human duties. Uh, this brings to the to the end the conclusion that Allah draws from the past uh, the, the, the five nations which had passed before and Allah wanted to draw our attention to them and then a sort of bigger story comes in which has its own conclusions and that's the story of Musa which the, the, the following verses inshallah we'll discuss it in our next session thank you Sheikh brothers and sisters anybody wants to open up the discussion yes Manjur is there a mic there Assalamu alaikum. Uh, you mentioned the effect of the scene is that uh, at the time of the prophets, when the prophet comes, there is this sudden death or sudden destruction. And the other one is the uh, sealing of the heart. But after the prophets, uh, the sudden destruction is not there, but the sealing of the heart is there. Uh, this sealing, uh, sorry, the seal of the heart. Isn't it a double punishment in a way that uh, you don't have a opportunity to go back if there is a sudden destruction and then some people are saved of this sudden destruction, they have an opportunity to go back and reform. But if the heart is sealed, then how is it possible to go back again? Uh, it makes no, it even more difficult to go back. Actually, hmm? the sudden death was a double punishment because they were not punished before their hearts were sealed. And when the hearts were sealed, they, the sudden death came. And from that sudden death, no one escaped, actually, except the mu'minun. In all these nations, Allah says, we saved those who believed. That means the others were not, did not escape. 
So that sudden death is a double punishment. This tab is a punishment which, of course, comes, is continued until the day of judgment. So I, I take it that way. Uh, in, in our time, when we say that uh, because of the sin, it will be, uh, the hearts will be sealed. So how can we go back and try to open the hearts again? Uh, what is the process? Repentance Maybe is always possible. Repentance is always possible. But when seal, the seal comes and it is completed, because sometimes the seal is partial. When it's completed, as Allah says, mentions in, in Surah Mu'min, كَذَلَكَ يَتْبَعُ اللَّهُ عَلَىٰ كُلِّ قَلْبِ مُتَكَبِّرٍ جَبَّارٍ If someone is متكبر and jabbar, the whole heart is sealed completely. There is no penetrating point. That means that that's, that's the end of it. This, there's no way back. That's what Allah mentions about Fir'aun, for example. However, there are partial seas as well. There, there is a possibility always for people to go back. Uh, however, it will become very difficult. And we see this in our lifetime. I mean, this is, this is the sort of experiment, experience we have in our everyday life. People who really are careless about God and do all types of atrocities. By sinning, I don't mean only personal sinning. I mean, uh, say for example, disregarding the laws of Sharia by drinking and not fasting and such things, especially when you actually extend this to oppression, taking the rights of others. I mean, look what these societies have done in the past. Look what they have done to Africa, to Latin America, to other nations, how many people they have killed, how much blood they have spilled. Now, it's very difficult. It's very difficult for the, the nation to, to come back. It's not impossible, but very difficult. And uh, uh, especially now, you see, for example, the the percentage of uh, the, uh, the the births out of the wedlock, the the, the percentage of uh, uh, sort of uh, violation of the, uh, the the primordial laws of all faiths, and you see this, it would become very difficult. I mean, the, that means the seal has come, and. Uh, God should save. I don't know. I don't know how he would save. Um, uh, any sisters? Yes. Yes, sister. Assalamu alaikum. Alaikum um, You know, we were talking about the, um, the, Allah says in his book, the majority were transgressors mm. and they deviated from the path and the laws as you also just were elaborating um, so in this situation we cannot say um, that the rule of the majority is alright in political um, arena because if we um, accept that uh, premise we are saying that uh, it's alright to rule uh, if we are ruled by transgressors so uh, they, so in, uh, according if we follow if we take forward the discussion um, the eye from that that originates from this ayat of the Holy Quran, the rule of the pious is all that, is, is the only rule that should be accepted and we, if, if we allow sinners to rule, they are definitely going to pass laws 
which are against the, um, the, the fundamental, as you were saying, the primordial laws, because it, nowadays, if you see, homosexuality has, been, has, has become legalized. So we, the majority of rule in political affairs is definitely not the right, right thing. You are right, but I mean, the rule of minority is not practical unless in certain cases. I mean, uh, in practical sense, if a society wants to continue uh, to, uh, to, to create order uh, amongst its members, then of course the majority of the people should, should, uh, uh, should follow the authorities, and this would not happen unless they accept them. So, in practical sense, we say, yes, of course, rule of majority democracy is a good practical tool for governing a society. However, that doesn't mean that majority is right. There should be, we should actually draw this very fine line that the rule of majority is a practical tool for keeping order in the society. However, that doesn't mean that the majority is right. Now, you take the example of Amir al-Mu'minin, for example. You see, he, he was right, but he did not step in polit into politics or taking authority unless the majority wanted him. And he himself mentions, if it was not because majority came to me, and he doesn't say that majority was right, he said, if it wasn't because the majority came to me, I wouldn't have stepped in. Because it's by the help of this majority that I can create order in society. Therefore, we have to differentiate between the two. In practical sense, yes, this is a practical tool. And we don't have a, a better alternative, especially in modern days. In past days, of course, people had different attitude towards politics, towards how the authorities uh, would take their, uh, their, their sort of legitimacy. I mean, they had kings, they had rulers, which came from families. Nowadays, this is gone, and it, I don't know how this could be envisaged that we return back to those type of legitimacies. So practically, I agree that this is a good tool, but uh, ideologically, that doesn't mean that they are right. Mm -hmm. But then we, I think probably the, it's the work of every, every believing individual to ensure that um, depending on their sphere of influence that they try to reinstate the laws of God and change attitudes of course. and, and that, that will uh, perhaps happen gradually that the majority also starts to believe in what's right and what's wrong and what's evil and yeah. what's good. That's the duty of every, every believing person. Yes. But that doesn't mean that they, they, they should do that while they are in power. They can do it while exactly. they are just in the grassroots and exactly. just teach. I mean, if the majority uh, is convinced, then of course the rule of majority would be the rule of the believers. Yeah, and, yes. and, and the atrocities committed that we were talking about just a few minutes ago um, actually really happened because the majority is corrupt. Otherwise they would not have allowed these to happen. Mm. The killings of all of the indigenous um, uh, inhabitants of America, for instance, yeah. when when the white man went to America, they killed everybody yeah. there yeah. Uh, in Africa, no, you take, you all take, over the world. Take the example of Israel. You see, yeah, they exactly. say we are allowed to do all these atrocities because we are the only democracy in the Middle East. Yeah. 
because our majority wanted well that that's what they how they justify their killings you know this happens when the majority itself becomes very evil mm? that's right yes sister here we have another sister here okay, i will come to swell and then we'll come to the sister swell yeah assalamu alaikum uh, it's kind of related to the last question would you say or could we argue that because uh, muslims have islam whether it's practiced properly or not that this may be a reason why they haven't engaged in such uh, egregious acts such brutality against others uh, that's possible uh, but we don't know if they had they found the opportunity wouldn't have they done it i mean this is this is the question maybe they didn't find the opportunity uh, we cannot judge people by what they claim to believe in we have to judge them by what how they how they act and we haven't seen a very uh, a very outstanding and brilliant record for many muslim rulers in the past of course and uh, uh, therefore we don't know the answer to this question really i suppose until then we'll have to give the benefit of doubt so we go to the sisters there yeah <laughs> You're claiming that um, societies now have become empty of God, um, and that's as a result of kind of past action. But to me, that seems unjust because the people who inhabit these societies now are not the same people that inhabited the societies before. And so they're almost being, in some senses, punished for what their predecessors um, did. Um, and how, where, where is the justice in that? Um, it just seems like they're responsible for something, or they're being judged by something that they were not responsible for. You see, society is a continuum, or, or is a sort of continuous flow of, uh, of cultures and uh, ideas. And uh, as long as these people boast and take pride of their historical records, then they are also the same. This is what the Quran actually says about the Jews. That at the time of the Prophet, the Quran addresses the Jews that you killed the prophets. Now, they hadn't killed the prophets. They, they, their predecessors had done it. But they actually boasted about it. They said that they were right. And if this is the case, then this is that continuous flow of culture which goes into every soul. And they will become responsible for it. Uh, you see, there are many things which uh, our ancestors do and directly, directly influence us. And that's why Allah warns us that be careful. Things that you do may affect your children. Your children are part of you. And it, it may affect. And then when the children come, then they are in a setting which is a vile setting. However, again, they have free will to choose. And if they choose the right path, they choose the right thing, they will be doubly rewarded because they have chosen right path in a vile and a vicious society. So uh, what happens is when we face these equations, we have to say this justice which we are thinking about is something taught to us by God. He has put it in our fetra. And therefore, the source of justice is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We have to understand these things in a way that it would not certainly go against justice. 
And uh, uh, if we take, for example, the some very palpable uh, examples, take the example of abortion. Okay. Now, this there is an eight-month-old fetus, for example. That's a, that's a complete human being, isn't it? The only difference is that just in, in, in a week or two, it's going to come to this world, isn't it? However, the mother decides to abort it. Now, what's the, what's the, this, the sin of that child? There's no sin, but the consequences it takes. It, it takes the burden of the consequences of what the mother does by abortion. So in a very palpable, simple example, we see that what the parents do has consequences for children. And in a bigger scale, of course, that, that's true as well. Thank you. Yes, Doctor. Assalamu alaikum. You mentioned the reference from uh, Fakhreddin Razi. Is that different from Tafsir al-Kabir? It's in Mafatih al-Ghaib. So yeah, that's Tafsir al-Kabir. Tafsir al-Kabir is Mafatih al-Ghaib. Yeah. It's the same? Yeah, the same oh, thing. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. Near the sister or the other in front. Yeah. Thank you very much for the lecture. Sheikh, when we make decisions in our everyday lives, we always um, admonish to make sure that wherever possible we take the middle path uh, whenever there's a decision to be made. That generally, uh, in a practical sense, is influenced um, by what we see in society around us. And of course, the, the, uh, the path of the majority will be the most evident within that. So mm. when we look to find the middle path, we will naturally see society's path as being the most, if you like, natural or the most appropriate one. So is it better for us to actually ignore other outside influences and make the decision for ourselves just using our intellect and our belief and our fitra to make those decisions or should be doing it in context? Uh, well, if this is a very delicate sort of uh, matter, how we have to find our way. Uh, we know that in many societies, the, the, the judgment of the scriptures uh, have been that these societies were corrupt. And therefore, the middle path wouldn't have been to follow the, of course, the path of the mainstream uh, social life. Uh, what we have to do is that in the community of the believers, especially among the educated believers, the scholars, uh, those who are mainstream in the sense that they say this is the explanation of the text, scripture, the Quran, the Hadith, and uh, uh, this is what the majority of the scholars understand from uh, the, what the sources say. If that deviates from the path of the mainstream social life, I think my judgment is that we have to take that because the mainstream social judgment may always be corrupt. And therefore, it brings the, uh, the, the question that, uh, it brings the idea that we have always be very closely connected to the sources of faith, like the Quran and Hadith, to be able to find what is the middle straight path and follow that rather than following the mainstream social ambience. 
the difficulty for me, practically, is that it's very difficult to differentiate the society of believers within the society mainstream, because many of the people in the mainstream society will take on many of the appearances of the society mm. of believers, mm. whereas within them they, don't, they have no faith or they're misguided. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that, that's, that's the, the difficulty of life, actually. <laughs> Allah hasn't given us an easy task, and uh, we have to strive for it, inshallah. Yeah. Assalamu alaikum, Shaykh. Thank you very much. It was quite clear. With two ayats, um, when it says at the last ayat that we've done, it's literally differentiating the um, types of people. And when it says, I'm trying to find the ayat here, the short one that we just done. We didn't find any covenant for most That's of them. That's the one, mm. yes. So when it says we did not find any covenant amongst those people, those are obviously transgressors. <laughs> now, can I throw the word nature or can I throw the word humanity? When we said about akal deciding and people not listening to their akal, I don't find that very, um, very uh, plausible because akal is something that also shaitan has. You see, I'm trying to replace this word with either humanity or nature. So it's in human nature that... Fetra, you, you mean, uh, yeah. There you Fetra, are, yes. Yeah. So it's in human nature that you will not, um, um, you will not uh, take the money of uh, an orphan or you will not thief somebody else's money. That is against human nature to do. But obviously, as we all know, when it's done once and twice and repeated, it then becomes part of um, the person. And therein is a similar um, similitude to what we said about the hearts being sealed. Once you've done it often enough, you think you deserve it, and then uh, you rise above everybody else uh, in transgressing. So, and then people believe you, and then you have a following, and you become a nation. You, you become Pharaoh or whatever. So um, I'm having trouble with that. So when you said akal, Firon did have akal. It's um, just that he didn't have maybe the, the... I mean, humanitarian is another word which I'd like to throw into the same pot. Yeah, maybe I should have explained. Uh, that was my fault. By akal, I don't mean the, the, the calculating mind. That's what everyone have. every sound, sane human being has. And Firon had lots of it. Muawiyah was somehow peaking in, in, in having that sort of aql. Uh, the, the, the term aql in religious terminology refers to that sound judgment that Allah has placed in us as right ethics, that practical aql. Uh, when uh, Imam Jafar al-Sadiq was asked, what is aql? He said, al-aqlu ma'ubida rahman is what Rahman is worshipped by it. So that intellect, which is the first, we have the, it was the first creation. It was the neuro, the, 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 the neuro nabi that which was somehow completed and perfected in the Prophet, peace be on him. That's ah. Then the uh, the audience who were hearing this from Imam Jafar al-Sadiq, they said, so what about Muawiyah? What about Muawiyah? If, if Aql is Muawiyah bin Rahman, Muawiyah, of course, had lots of Aql. And he said, no, that is not Aql. That is Shaytana. It is similar. It's confusing. You confuse it with Aql. And that's why what I call the calculating 
intellect, the calculating mind, that everyone has, but the aql, which is the sound judgment that Allah has placed in us, what you call the nature or humanity. That is what we mean. So probably we, don't, we have no disagreement, Just it's just in terminology. In that case, uh, can I offer the um, uh, acceptance that within these uh, what we might call transgressing nations, there is always people who have humanitarian needs, um, who have humanitarian issues. So they will, for example, oppose the invasion of Iraq, and they will work within the system now, as in society, to provide services for the elderly, maybe to provide whatever, maybe the welfare state, maybe um, the medical yeah, equivalent. That's right, that's right. So and, the, and these people are those that if hypothetically we think uh, suddenly a prophet comes and invites people to faith and asks the authorities not to do all these atrocities, these are the first people who join, who accept. Inshallah. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> Any other sister? Sheikh, we discussed that uh, during the time of the Prophet, some people accepted um, his prophethood uh, because they believed Prophet himself to be the miracle. And some people wanted to see the miracle, and even after seeing the miracle, they did not accept. So now if we try to relate these, because for us, this is now just a discussion, but if you try to relate this to the reappearance of our Imam, mm -hmm. uh, in the region where the Imam will reappear, perhaps many or few people will accept that he is the real Imam who has reappeared. Mm -hmm. But those who are far away, what will be the factor or factors that will make them believe that yes, the person who has declared himself there in the far region is the Imam that we are waiting for? It's usually the message. I mean, it has been the same with all the prophets. It, it, it was usually the message which attracted the people. The miracles, I mean, if Imam comes now and shows miracles, those who do not want to accept, they say, well, he's a magician, or he has got some supernatural powers, for example. He's a witch, or something like that. So uh, I don't think miracles are very important, except for a minority who are in sort of hesitation, and the hesitation is removed by seeing those miracles. And that's why actually in the Quran, Allah says that we resist the, uh, the request for miracles in many, many cases. That the, the nations ask miracles from the prophets, and we did not give those miracles to them because we knew that they deny. So th there was no purpose in it. There's no use for it. And I think about the, 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 the 12th Imam, alayhi salam, when he comes, I think it's the message which appeals rather than miracles and other things. Uh, but do we have some idea as to, I mean, what will be the, con what will be the contents of the message that will Obviously, some people will not still believe it, but even the Muslims. But um, perhaps it is a, uh, it is hoped that majority of the Muslims will uh, believe the message. So, what will be the content of the message that will actually make them believe? Well, let's way? hope that majority of Muslims would accept. I mean, that's a hope. But uh, it's the same message as all the prophets before. I mean, there's nothing different, and. Uh, uh, those who, of course, already uh, had faith in 
what Allah says in the Quran, they would accept. Those who had superficial or hypocritical sort of faith, they would not accept. I mean, uh, take the example of many the, many of Muslims who are now siding with Israel and America against other Muslims. Are they going to accept the message of the Imam? Of course, they are not. And that, that's not possible. I might have to edit this, isn't it? <laughs> but inshallah, he will come and you will see what he says. <laughs> no, no, what I mean is we, we might have to edit this with your audio. <laughs> no, no, just, just a uh, side issue. Okay, any last discussion or... <laughs> uh, any brothers, sisters? No? Thank you, Muhammad wa Ali, Muhammad Salwa. Allahumma salli ala Muhammad wa